fires in the Amazon are not natural. Like in the, in the Amazon, vegetation uh, does not have evolutionary adaptations for fire. So fire there is not a natural thing, but rather a human driven activity. Roots of Impact Podcast. Roots of Impact Podcast. Roots of Impact Podcast. Welcome to the Roots of Impact Podcast. My name is Alan. I'll be your host today. The Roots of Impact podcast is a podcast where we interview leaders, teachers, and healers from around the world so we can learn about their journeys and we can spread seeds of inspiration and provide actionable items to accelerate the beautiful shift we're seeing in the world nowadays. Thank you for joining us. Today we have a very special guest for a special episode. Um, we've been seeing that in, the, in social media and all around the world in the news, we've been uh, receiving information of what's going on in the Amazon. So I wanted to invite uh, Eitor Mancini Peseira uh, to, to, talk, to talk to us about what's going on there. Uh, Eitor is a PhD candidate in the Wageningen University here in, in the Netherlands. And He's been working um, around agroecology. Uh, we were just talking before the interview about, yeah, he's doing, trying to connect farmers and their perceptions to um, ecosystem services. So welcome to the podcast, Aitor. How's it going? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to, to, to be part of this interview and to talk about the situation in Brazil and about agroecology and what a little bit of my work and what we have been doing there. Great. Can you, can you give us a little bit of an introduction of yourself? Uh, yeah, you said you're, you're, you're from Brazil, but maybe, yeah, what are the projects you're working on and uh, yeah, what area in Brazil are, are you at? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I am a forestry forest engineer and I have graduated in Brazil in the a university called Universidade Federal de Viçosa. And since I started my studies, I was always focused on the topic of biodiversity and family farmers and how to combine nature conservation or resource conservation with agricultural production. So that was always like a, a topic that was um, across every that I was doing every project um, and yeah so then I graduated there and uh, I started a PhD here in Wageningen and within now I'm, I get a more scientific perspective because before I was also working with science but more combined with uh, extension education and also uh, activism a bit and I was part of the student movement on agroecology, and I was also very much involved with the agroecology movement in Zona da Mata in Brazil, and also with the national movement. And now with the PhD, I had the chance to go a bit uh, deeper in the, in the scientific questions that are also around uh, the topic of agroecology. And yeah, so I'm now finishing the PhD. I'm writing the, finishing to write the last chapter, the last paper, 
and I'm very happy with the work. I had the chance to work very closely with farmers and with other stakeholders and really involve them in research. And I think that's very important. And yeah, so now I, and, and the focus of my PhD was on biodiversity and ecosystem services. And I think this framework, this approach can be very valuable for us, like scientists that are trying to understand um, and to have a more holistic perspective, a more systemic perspective on farms and social ecological systems. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, it's, I, I heard you on, uh, on a talk that you gave on, on agroecology a couple of years ago, and I was yeah, really impressed by, by your work. So yeah, so exciting to, to hear your perspective. So yeah, so there's been a lot of uh, news about what's going on in the Amazon. Um, we've, we've, the, the news are reporting that there's been like increases of like 83% or something of fires between this year and the last year in the Brazil and the Bolivian uh, Amazon um, area. What, what, are, what are the factors causing the increase of fires? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, like, of course, this is a very complex issue. And <clears throat> I think first, like, the first thing that we need to also reflect on is that fires in the Amazon are not natural. Like, and the, and the Amazon vegetation uh, does not have evolutionary adaptations for fire. So fire there is not a natural thing, but rather a human driven activity and that is different from other biomes or other vegetation um, types in the world for instance the brazilian savannas that we call cerrado there we have natural fire and fire has a more important ecological role and a more natural um, role also in the in the ecosystems and so the trees they have for instance uh, very thick barks and they have also mechanisms that allow them to survive fire and that does not happen in the amazon so i think that's the first thing and also of course like fires can have huge impacts uh, for the whole world as we have been seeing like the emissions of co2 the loss of biodiversity the, also the degradation of soil and so on uh, <clears throat> and then when we start talking about the possible causes it's a very very complex issue but I think we can maybe also think on, on um, the first thing is the increasing deforestation. So we have, compared to last year, we have 88% more deforestation in the Amazon, the, the rate. So that is for sure having a connection with the fires. And also after deforestation, uh, the vegetation is just piled up, the, the cut vegetation and then they put fire on it so that can also uh, be a source of the be a cause of the fires and another thing is that uh, in, in the amazon is very common to have this mode of agriculture that is called slash and burn that is practiced by local communities and, and local farmers and basically it's a rotation system where they put fire in a certain area of forest and then they cultivate with uh, crops and then at a certain moment when the soil is not so fertile anymore, they allow the forest to grow back. And I think also we have to, to, to make a distinction between these two ways of, of, of 
causing the fires, no, or setting the fires, because one is very much based in indigenous communities and small scale, and and that that kind of fire has a much lower risk uh, to spread than big fires caused by deforestation, and that is pretty much uh, connected to large scale cattle ranchers that need more land for pasture and so on. And they do not work in a rotational basis. They just uh, transform, they just convert the land into pastures. So I think uh, it's important to recognize these differences. And I think, uh, yeah, so, so I think these are, are, are the main causes. But then we come to another question. So what is causing the increase in deforestation at first place? Because of course, deforestation is pretty much connected with the fires. So, uh, and then we bring it, we, of course, uh, when we talk about deforestation, then immediately we think of policies and how the government is trying to create measures to protect or not the forest. And also the relationship with the agribusiness sector and, the, yeah, and, the, and, the, and their need to have more land and to produce more and so on. So I think all this is, is connected. And then just to give a few examples, uh, the current president of Brazil, Bolsonaro, he has been like, uh, he has a speech that tries to, to flexibilize the environmental regulations. And they also like, he undermines uh, indigenous communities and their role to protect nature. And uh, also he's cutting the budget of programs that are supposed to support uh, the conservation of resources. So, for instance, Bolsonaro said that he doesn't believe in climate change. And then we have a, a policy, a national policy on climate change, and he cut 95% of the budget for this, for this policy. So that really makes it visible. Um, the influence of policy and of governments on the conservation of the forest and of course also the, the influence on the fires. How are the fires, deforestation and current policies affecting local communities? Yeah, I think uh, now it, we are in a very uh, tense moment in, in our country, in Brazil. For instance, the indigenous people in Brazil, they are suffering a lot um with these new regulations and also like for instance bolsonaro is trying to reduce the land that is destined for indigenous people so that's already a big problem that they don't have the right on their land anymore and of course there is this um speech behind it that says that indigenous people are are like uh, stuck in the past that they are not making a good use of the land and the land needs to be more productive and uh, we need to, to increase the economy in the country and so on. And this is pretty much the speech that is being propagated by Bolsonaro, the current president. So that's very, very endangering. And also another thing is that, that they do is they try to, the government's doing and other, um, and other actors, they're trying to criminalize the social movement. So for instance, the landless movement is being criminalized. So they say that they just uh, invade land and also Bolsonaro now wants to create a new law that, um, for instance, if a large scale farmer 
that, that this new law that it says that large-scale farmers they can shoot and they can kill people that try to invade their land and with no consequences with no legal consequences and then of course this open um, many this open the, the, the situation for many things to happen and without the right punishment for the for the killers or or so you just yeah allow people to to kill each other basically and without and if you see for instance um the landless movement they don't just invade land so just this terminology is already wrong because it doesn't exist uh that doesn't doesn't occur and of course this is not legal to just invade land and actually the brazilian constitution it says that land has to have a, a social role so it has to be productive it cannot be it cannot have a slavery work and things like this and if the land doesn't meet that criteria then this land is subjected to agrarian reform and then the government has an organ that is called Inca that buys this land and then give the lands, give the land to landless people and divide the land. So I think this is, is, is the kind of debate that we need to make to understand better this conflict and try to to not yeah, try to create better solutions. And of course, like um, the agribusiness sector. They don't care so much about this because they want to expand their territory and they want to produce more. So I think these are the problems. And then I think agroecology can be a very powerful tool for this uh, movement of indigenous people, of landless people, of black communities to take a stand and fight against this um, agribusiness way of producing food and trying to show that it's possible to do it in another way. Because of course. You, you need land, but after getting the land, you need also to work in a sustainable way. So I think that's very important. And for instance, I was talking about the slash and burn uh, rotation agriculture. And maybe for some situations that can be um, even ecologically, it can be positive, but we can also try to find other ways of doing it. For instance, uh, there is one colleague of mine that is studying this technique that is called slash and mulch. So instead of burning, you create mulch, and then you can maybe try to seek for more sustainable management strategies. So I think that's that's the way to go, and I think agroecology provides the tool and uh, and uh, and also the way of doing more sustainable agriculture. And of course, agroecology is also uh, is not only about management strategies but also about um social aspects for instance for instance uh gender balance and uh, give voice to minorities such as the youth and women and also the it deals with power inequalities and also we have big organizations now working in the country with agroecology so you really create more strength because if you fight as an individual is one thing, but if you join a movement, and then it's something else. So I think agroecology can not only uh, create this more help farmers to develop more sustainable management practices, but also it can help them to get organized, to reflect 
on the power relations, to reflect, reflect on the inequalities, to reflect on, on the rights of family farmers, of local communities. So I think, uh, yeah. Hector, can you can you give us a, like a, a like a concise definition of agroecology so so everybody is is on the same page? Yes. Um, so agroecology uh, can be considered as a practice, a movement, and a science to, that aims to design and develop more sustainable agri-food systems. But also, yeah, we need to think on how to connect that with policies. And for that, we need to engage scientists and engage local people in a common goal, you know, and engage policymakers. So I think that's a crucial uh, aspect of agroecology that we try to work together with different stakeholders and different uh, kind of actors. And the second thing is that when we talk about the sustainability or the design, or, uh, the, when we talk about the design or the development of more sustainable agri-food systems, because then we are not talking anymore only about uh, only about the management practices, but the whole system. So also about the consumers, also about the global market, also about the land grabbing issues and so on. So I think that's also another aspect. But in this definition, I think also to, to include in this definition, we need to, to think also about the cultural aspect. So basically also agroecology is the relationship between human and nature mediated by culture. So the cultural aspect is also very important, like uh, respecting local traditions and respecting local knowledge and trying to incorporate that in new solutions and new strategies. So it's not about just copying what old uh, communities would do in the past, but rather recognizing that, respecting that knowledge, and trying to re-signify this knowledge uh, adapted to, to, the, to, to our current challenges. And also connecting with science, with policy, you know, with, the with the practice of, of farmers and so on. So, so yeah, it's it seems like agroecology could be a, a solution. That, that's great. I was I was kind of like questioning my mind right now. It seems like the struggle is like there's like some people, which maybe this is a struggle that is in like a bunch of sectors in the world. But there's people that are just thinking about the money part, right? Like so, Bolsonaro and the government now are thinking about we need Brazil to produce more. So if 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 we raise economically, like the country will be better. Let's say, uh, but can agroecology also be a solution for that, you know, because then it, I, I, I see it as like, if there's more like small businesses, more people like engaged in, 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 in the, in the local economics of, of, of the situation, then it, if there's still like a flourishing of economy, but it changes from being like, kind of like mono economy, let's say from just like small groups, uh, having big parts of land to a lot of small groups having like, you know, small parts of land in different in, in different parts. So, is that is that is that the case? Do you see it as as could that be uh, an argument as well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, I think uh, we need to when we talk about the 
profit that or the economic benefits that is brought by agribusiness we need to think where this money is going and for who so i think that's the first uh, the first question and and the second question is how can we like train our local economies to actually improve people's livelihood and i i do think agroecology has a great potential to scale up and to also generate more economic uh, benefits. Uh, but of course, that, for that to happen, like we need a change in the paradigm of the agri-food system. So that's very, very complicated. And, and then I, I think also that's why agroecology needs to, to be, we need to think agroecology locally, of course, and in a bottom-up approach involving farmers and involving local people in decision-making processes and research and so on so that's very important but we also need to think globally because like we when we think of the amazon and deforestation in the amazon so who who is responsible for that of course we have the large-scale cattle ranchers but we also have huge multinationals and big companies that are exploring this and for instance uh, the production of soybean which is one of the major uh, problems environmental problems in brazil due to the high use of pesticides or herbicides and uh, the loss of biodiversity and so on so who is buying that this this soybeans is basically china in first place and then european countries so we need also to change the way uh, we do agriculture in Europe to, you know, to, to solve the problems that are happening in Brazil. So I think it's a local thing, but it's also glo globally connected. And yeah, so I think that's, uh, that's something that we need to think about. And many people also, like I think we come up with sometimes a simple solutions like oh we need to stop eating meat and of course i think that we need to think of our own habits and so on but i think also we need to think a little bit deeper on why this is happening and and i think the problem is not per se eating meat but rather the, the way of producing and so on so yeah so for instance there are many farmers in brazil that produce meat in a more in a sustainable way and I think, and, and the animals are an essential part of the, of the agroecosystem. So, and then, then it's, I think this kind of, of production should be valued and so on. And I think also when we think on economic terms, uh, for instance, in Brazil, if we take the figures of the last uh, agrarian census of 2006, it's quite old. Uh, the next one is coming probably next year, but it's the, the only data that we have. But just for you to have an idea, like family farmers, they have more or less 30% of the land in the country, but they produce 40% of the total agricultural economic value. So they have only 30%, but they are responsible to produce 40% of the economic income of agriculture and they receive only 25% of the credits of the subsidy. 
So for me, that doesn't look like an inefficient way of doing agriculture, but rather an efficient way. But it creates, it decentralizes the economy and it decentralizes the power of big landowners and big companies. So I think a lot of people don't want that. And probably that's because, yeah, and then, then that's why we, we still have this system that uh, tries to minimize or to undermine the work of family farmers and indigenous communities and, and other um, yeah, other minorities. Yeah, it seems like the, there, there's, there's also a, a disbalance on, on the consumer side, right? Because of, of course, there's the big corporations that, uh, that are, you know, you know, marketing the, the, the farming and marketing the soybeans and, and, and the cattle and stuff. But there's somebody that at the end of the day buys it too, right? So, yeah, you were saying that, yeah, maybe there's some kind of like a more superficial movements of like, okay, not, not, buy, not eat meat or, or, you know, eat less soy or, or something like that. But it seems like still like there needs to be like an education at the consumer level and not, like you're saying, not just the consumer locally because... The, the consumers that that are consuming from Brazil are actually in Europe and in and in Asia. So it seems like there needs to be like a, and maybe maybe this this is the 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 the, 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 the fires in the Amazon maybe is a global awakening for people to start like questioning more and go deeper into what they're consuming from and from where it is and and what are the practices behind it. But do you see do you see like a shift in in, in consumers um, and or, or or in education to the consumers or in consumers um, a- actions? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think that's um, a very important aspect of the of agroecology is how we deal with consumers and this relationship between consumers and producers. So that for sure is crucial, and we need. I think the first. Uh, thing that we need to to think about like that's why i don't like so much uh these campaigns like don't eat meat or i of course this is important we need to think but i think beyond it's way beyond that we need to think on everything we eat it's not only about meat but also about the vegetables and and everything else you know so it's rather like a change in habits that we, we need to take and i think also uh we cannot really judge people for for their actions. So I think that can maybe repel people instead of attracting them. So I think we need to be conscious uh, about our consumer choices. So we need to be very conscious about what we eat and where the food that we eat come from. So I think that's that's for me the crucial thing, you know? And then then you will reflect if your meat is coming from these big corporations and probably from cows that are being fed from the soy that uh, was grown in the Amazon, but can also be local meat that is produced by family farmers or yeah, or by small cooperatives and so on. So I think the what we should really uh, highlight in this in this discussion is the conscious. We need to be conscious about what we eat and where it comes from. But not per se saying, oh, you cannot eat that or you cannot eat this. You know, I think that maybe can push away people 
and uh, yeah, and I think that, and, and, and in a way, I think it's also a bit superficial because if we all stop eating meat, that will not solve the world problem. I mean, of course, it's part of the problem, but you know, it's not uh, the, the main source or the main cause. It's really the whole agri-food system. So how do we solve that? Because maybe if we stop eating meat, these big corporations, they will find another way of, of making money, you know? So if we don't change deeply our conscious and the way we see agriculture and so on. And I think a way of doing this is like, of course, strengthening local markets, and creating and, and reducing the distance between producer and consumers. And uh, yeah, so of course we have agroecology also uh, try to tackle this issue of marketing. How do we reach consumers and how do we involve consumers more in food production and so on? If we're confronting a big issue with, yeah, with, with, with the burning of, of, of the Amazon right now, but it seems like there are there are solutions to to be able to mitigate these future burns and to and to also like uh, reestablish ecosystems to basically create more lungs of the world because one of the main issues that everybody's kind of like talking about right now is that you know one of the lungs of the of the of the earth is being burnt but we can we can take a stance through agroecology to start um developing more lungs of the world to 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 reestablish the, the balance um so i think it's a it's a powerful tool so thank you for yeah for for sharing all, all this knowledge that you have with us um i think yeah the, the the customer the consumer side is really important for me i'm always like kind of like going a little bit crazy of how to consume because because of all yeah because of all the layers that there is but I think like getting involved in your in your in your agricultural food system locally is probably the best way because then you know exactly what's going on. So yeah. So before we we end, uh, Aitor, I wanted to to ask you if everybody's concerned now about what's going on in the Amazon. Do you have any recommendations? of what people could do. I know not everybody can go and, you know, try to put the fires out, but, or, or, you know, fight politics in Brazil specifically, but what can people do around the world to, to mitigate, to take action and to improve the situation of the, of the world? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the first thing that we can do as individuals is to have conscious, as I was saying, so to have conscious about the food that we eat and uh, to have conscious about our, consumer choices and so on and i think also like when we discuss this it's very important like of course we need to strengthen local local markets and so on that doesn't mean european people cannot drink coffee you know like there i think there are ways to to also have a global more global market in a more sustainable way uh and i really think like the 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 first thing is is that we need to to just yeah to just uh, reflect on it and to raise awareness about it. So I think that's the first thing. And then of course we as individuals we can try to, to minimize our actions or eat less meat and yeah think on 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 how to recycle our trash and things like that that are quite uh, 
nowadays are quite mainstream, everybody's talking about. But I think that's, and, and of course also we need to stop uh, buying from these huge multinationals and com food companies that are selling uh, all kinds of food products. And of course these companies are also uh, involved with deforestation and with land grabbing and many other issues. So yeah, so also be conscious about that. And I think we need to also uh, reflect on, like for instance, it depends a lot on, on I think it's very tricky to, to talk about what can we do because I, I like this idea of changing our individual behavior and I think that's crucial, but that's just not enough, you know? That's not enough because the problem is not really uh, just consumer choices, but it's much deeper and it involves like a project uh, that is structured in, the, in, this, in society. And all the things that I said, for instance, the environmental regulations that are being now dismantled by Bolsonaro and the investments that they give to big corporations and to large-scale farmers. For instance, also they just um, just uh, forgive the debts that they have. They just cancel it. You know, so things like that is just happening. And if we change our consumer choices, of course, maybe if we buy if we eat less meat, maybe the companies will then start, like they will not be able to sell their meat and maybe that will have a consequence. But I think that's still like, they, have, they are too strong. The, their project is too like crystallized in society. And, uh, and I think like we need to go beyond the individual level. So I think that's the main thing for me. Like, of course, we need to, to think in a conscious way and we need to try to change our individual habits, but we also need to think beyond that. And I think the way to think beyond that is to organize yourself, to get organized in some sort of organization or movement or institution or cooperative or anything. Because I think when we get together, then we have more power, then we have more voice, then we are heard. So, I think I think that's for me that's the most important thing: strengthening organizations and strengthening networks to fight for changes in in society and in the way we produce food and so on. So yeah, I think I think that's the most important thing. And of course, when you get organized, uh, then you also kind of like uh, together with, with, with the process of being organized, you also reflect on your own choices. So you also reflect on what you're eating and so on. So I think, uh, yeah, it can be a very powerful tool to do that. And in Brazil, we have the agroecology movement is very strong. And I think we, yeah, there are many ways to engage with more political uh, groups and so on. That's great. Yeah, I, I, I never really thought of that perspective that much. I thought that, um, yeah, by, by, by consumers just being, being, being aware of themselves and just making choices, we would change. But yeah, I agree that if, we, if, we, if people that want change and want to have more sustainable systems want to see a change, it's, it's good to, to get organized. Maybe, Eitor, you can, you can uh, share with us uh, after the talk 
some links of where people can go uh, so they can see in their area if they can connect with a group that, that they resonate with so, so they can be part of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think also like, uh, just to add on that, because uh, many times we're talking also about, uh, I think this, these campaigns, I think there's also the risk uh, that we blame consumers for what is happening, you know? And I think, of course, in a certain extent, we, we are the, the ones to blame, of course, because we are consuming. But I just think it's, like as, as I said, it's much deeper than that, you know? So, for instance, if you, if you even about water, like we, we have all these campaigns saying, oh, let's save the world, close your tap, and so on. But only 2% of the water is being wasted by, by, by citizens, and all the rest is by big industries and so on. So I think, yeah, we really need to, to, to try not to blame ourselves, but to try to reflect on how we can create more uh, alternatives and smart choices and, and try not to judge each other. Because as I said, I think that can really repel people also. If you start uh, judging people because they do that and they don't do that. And I saw an interesting uh, post on Facebook that says that we don't need a uh, few people doing things perfectly, but we need millions of people doing things imperfectly. So <laughs> if we all need, if we all have conscience and if we all uh, work in that direction, of course, sometimes you will take a plane or you will, maybe you have a car or, you know, that's these things, I think we can work towards that. But if you have conscience, then, then it's, yeah, then it's always, uh, I think that's, yeah, that's the way to, to go. Beautiful, Leitor. Thank you very much for that perspective. Uh, never, I never thought about it that way that much. So yeah, thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much for your time, Eitor, and uh, for all your knowledge. I think this is going to be useful for a lot of people. It was for me. So thank you again. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope it was, yeah, that I could uh, discuss some of the insights that we have and because I'm always very happy to talk about agroecology so yeah thank you very much okay bye bye bye